Peter, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Good evening. Uh, Tonight's scripture reading is going to be from Acts 1. It will be on the screen so you can follow along, but we invite you to open your copy of God's Word and read with us. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Oxano. Tonight, we are concluding our series called Peter, Episodes of Doubt and Devotion. If you haven't been with us the last four weeks, tonight you'll kind of get to know the end from the beginning, but I invite you, we have a a podcast where, uh, the Oxano podcast, where we have all of these sermons recorded for you to go back and listen to, so I invite you to do that. Uh, But tonight is, I have the privilege of, of preaching through Acts 1 through 4. So we're already in Acts chapter 1 from when uh, we just had our scripture reading. So you're probably already turned there. So we're going we're gonna to be in the first four chapters of the book of Acts tonight. And we're really going to be contrasting the, the Peter that we met in the Gospels the first three weeks with the Peter that we see in the book of Acts. And when I tell you that Peter is the disciple who is the disciple of highs and lows Uh, You will see some of the episodes of devotion from Peter. You will see the transformation of the Holy Spirit in the life of Peter. So with that, let's uh, jump back into Acts chapter 1 where we just had our scripture reading and talk about a few things uh, that that maybe jumped off of the, the page to you. The first would be that Jesus promises when he's instructing the disciples to wait in Jerusalem he promises them that they will be baptized by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will come. He said, John baptized with water, but I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may know that that word baptize means immerse. So uh, when, when you think about the, the idea of baptism or immersion, I want you guys to consider the pickle. You guys know how a pickle is made? You do? Some of you think that they grow on pickle trees? No, no. Pickles start as a cucumber, and then they are submerged in a brine, and then that cucumber soaks up all the juice, right? And so 
there's not just this dunking of the cucumber, but it soaks up all the juice. It's like corn. It has the juice, right? Uh, I think it's going. But I want, you, I want you to think about that. Whenever you, the next time you go to Jason's Deli and you have your sandwich, I want you to think about the immersion of the Holy Spirit or this word immerse that jumps off the page to us a couple times in the book of Acts. So the disciples here, they ask Jesus this question after he tells them they're gonna be immersed in the Holy Spirit. It says, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? So we see a fundamental misunderstanding by the disciples all over again that we saw repeatedly through the gospels, right? That they have this idea that Jesus has come to establish a political theocracy, that Jesus is gonna create an earthly kingdom, that Jesus is going to get the Roman occupation out of Jerusalem and that they are going to have a reign in an earthly kingdom. But as I said, that's a fundamental misunderstanding. Actually, the type of power that Jesus tells them they're gonna have is characteristically different. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus is not talking about authority or influence per se, but the root word that we have for power here is the word that we get in the English language dynamite from or um, dynamic, right? That uh, this is referring to dynamic abilities for sure and for certain, but it's also describing something that is characteristically dynamic, meaning that it's changing, that by the immersing of the Holy Spirit, we would experience personal and communal transformation by the indwelling of God within us. That the dynamic power describes the effect of the life breath of God, the Holy Spirit residing in us. It's a dramatically different from the misunderstanding that the disciples had about the type of transformation and the type of work that Jesus has come to do. And so what implication, we're just gonna go ahead and get a part of the application out in the beginning here. What implication does that have for me and you sitting in the room tonight? And here it is, this is good news. The resurrection life of Jesus that he gives is now. That eternity future, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus starts then. There's this big loaded theological word called regeneration that happens, right? It just means to be made new, right? That we become a new creation in Christ. When we believe in faith in him, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and then we are equipped to live the Christian life and we are in Christian community where we can grow in the truth of God's word. We can grow in knowledge, but we grow in character. We begin to look more like Jesus. That's called sanctification. So when we, we pray to Jesus' prayer from John 17, when he says, sanctify them in the truth, or your word is truth, it means that we are being transformed into the image of Christ. And so we start with regeneration. Then we begin to be sanctified, and that's sanctification. And then the ultimate destination of our faith is that we would be glorified, glorification, right? That we would be uh, like Jesus and take partnership in this glorified heavenly body that we see Jesus have after the resurrection and that we could live in community with God again. And so this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we have this 
kind of common sentiment that if we're ever experiencing a season of doubt like Peter, I've had this thought before and maybe you have too. What if I could have been there to see Jesus? What if I could experience his um, bodily presence on, during his earthly ministry? That would increase my faith so much and it would be so much easier to believe. You see, the disciples had Jesus' bodily presence with them. That didn't stop them from abandoning him at the most crucial hour. That didn't stop them from having this fundamental misunderstanding about his mission. See, as Blake preached two weeks ago, when Jesus rebukes Peter and tells him to get behind me, Satan, because Peter was trying to co-opt Jesus' mission. He didn't understand what Jesus was doing. And so I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound a little bit charged at first, and maybe it'll sit a little bit weird with you, but as we go through the text tonight, I hope that you see this become evident. But Pastor J.D. Greer says, the Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. The Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. I invite you to consider the, the former episodes of Peter as we journey through the book of Acts. That we start with the totally disengaged fisherman who has his back turned to Jesus. We go to the Peter uh, who Jesus was telling to get behind him. We go to the Peter who denied him before the rooster crowed. And then as Cole preached last week, we think about the Peter who was broken by shame and weeping. We're gonna come to meet a very different Peter in the text tonight. So in Acts chapter two, there's an event that happens in church history that's very significant called Pentecost. It's where the Holy Spirit comes down on the, the assembly that is gathered there, like a rushing wind, people start speaking tongues of fire. They start understanding each other, even, the, even though they're from different ethnicities and backgrounds. And then the walls fall down and crumble. And then Peter is the first one to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the first one to cry out to the people. He acknowledges the coming of the Holy Spirit and preaches through Joel's prophecy that God would immerse that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, helps us grasp the magnitude of this moment. He says, but it, uh, is the work of the Holy Spirit really important? Important, why were it not the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world at all. In the first place, without the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel and no New Testament. And so when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, the church begins. The Holy Spirit is the one who superintends the body of Christ. He's the one who lives and breathes among the life of the believers. Then we move to the end of Acts chapter two. Peter's preaching begins. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut, better translation say pierced to the heart, 
and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Just gonna give you guys a heads up here. Peter's first two sermons are a lot better than the average person's first two sermons, okay? He preaches dynamically with authority and boldness that one, Jesus is the risen Christ, that Jesus truly has risen from the grave, that he's appeared to the disciples. And because he's a risen Christ, he has authority over death. Death has lost its power. And instead, we're given the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life. Next, he urges people to believe in Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so they can be equipped for every good work. Then lastly, he preaches that the nations will be immersed in the glory and the blessing of God, fulfilling God's covenant of old, fulfilling the prophecies that we see in the Old Testament. And so Peter testifies to the resurrection of Jesus. He testifies to the power and the authority of the collective body of Christ. Acts chapter three follows this format. Peter is platformed in a a part of the temple called Solomon's Porch after he heals a crippled beggar. So I told you that there were dynamic acts that were happening. Jesus has equipped and given the Holy Spirit so that the apostles would have authority to even heal people in the same way that he did. This beggar is asking and expecting alms or money. And Peter says, silver and gold I don't have for you, but what I do have I give to you. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he gets up and begins to walk. So as you can imagine, This is an attention grabber in a very high profile place. And so Acts chapter four is where we're gonna end up landing is where Peter is having to appear before the Sanhedrin. He's having to appear before the religious council of Israel to give account for this thing that has happened that's causing a stir, right? Because the last thing that they want is a disturbance to happen. They're under the Roman occupation and everyone's on edge. They want there to be peace and tranquility, law and order. Starting in Acts chapter four, it says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now what you need to understand about the Sadducees, they were resurrection deniers The Pharisees believed in a resurrection, although they didn't believe in the way that uh, the disciples of Jesus talked about a resurrection. So the Sadducees were greatly annoyed by this. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. 
And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temples and the Sadducee came upon them. On the next day, rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power and what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among, my, by, among men by which we must be saved. Now let me ask you, does this sound like the Peter who is cowering in fear? Does this sound like the Peter who's invoking a curse upon himself to deny his association with Jesus? This is a brazen man speaking as if he has no fear of man and total fear in God. It is an utter and complete transformation. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The same disciple who said, I never knew him, is the one who other people are saying now, I remember him. He's one who had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed and standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. So obviously these men are not very concerned with the truth, trying to suppress the truth because they wanna control the narrative. Verse 17, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So Peter, you've had your fun, you did your trick, shut it down. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They can't help but talk about the goodness of Jesus and the life that he offers. It's compulsory. The spirit of God has controlled them. Right? The Holy Spirit, God living within us is not a force that we get to tell what to do and not to do. It is the God of the universe alive in us that takes control of us, that compels us to love and good works. Don't get that twisted. So in summary, as we look through these chapters in the book of Acts, we see that the church is the body of Christ called out and indwelt by the Holy Spirit to dynamically testify to the resurrection of Jesus in word and deed. One place I wanna revisit here is where it talks about how the religious leaders perceived that they were uneducated and common men. What a beautiful class commentary for us 
hopefully a refreshing perspective here, right? That we would do well never to take someone's station or circumstances in life to quench what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in them. Starting with Peter the fisherman. The vision of the church in Acts presents us with spirit-filled witnesses of diverse backgrounds, socioeconomic status, experiences. It shows how the kingdom of God upends the hierarchical grip of this world to proclaim the pride-smashing unity of belonging to Jesus and to one another as his church that we have no room for boasting except for boasting in what Jesus Christ has done. We have nothing to take pride in, in our flesh and in ourselves, that we, like Peter, are prone to doubt, prone to turn away, but God, God in us, equips us to live a life of faithfulness. God in us gives us the ability to call out to people that the world would never say that we would call brother and sister and for us to call them brother and sister. That this flesh would either elevate as someone who has like celebrity status or someone who is beneath us. Right, that within the kingdom of God that there is no looking at someone as if they are better than And there's no looking at someone as if they are lesser than. We have this equality and unity in the body of Christ. And what a timely message for our culture. Not just the broader culture, but even our Christian culture. Amen? Right, that this idea of Christian celebrity or Christian influencer, it's it's not the norm, Right? I'm standing up in front of you guys tonight, a very ordinary person. Overwhelmingly ordinary, right? This Peter that we encounter in the text of the Bible, he's an ordinary fisherman. Ordinary person who stood before the religious giants of his day and boldly proclaimed the gospel. I've got nothing against Sadie Robertson or Tim Tebow. Pray that their ministry is fruitful. But I would encourage you to index your spiritual growth on living in community with people who you can pick up your phone and you can call. Someone that you can walk up to and talk to who's walked with Jesus for longer than you've been alive. That's a privilege that we get to do at a church like Dawson. That just because someone has clout or influence or followers, all these people are gonna see it in this big production. And even if it's done well, that's not really the model we see in the New Testament, right? That this clashes with this idea of celebrity. And it clashes also with this idea of looking down on other people, thinking that we are better than. So as we talked about in week one, Peter's story is our story, right? That he is an ordinary person who is indwelt by extraordinary God. And that same God 
lives and indwells us as well if we are in Christ. So if you came in tonight being cut to the heart as we go through this portion of the text of maybe thinking too highly of yourself, I pray that you be humbled by the Holy Spirit. And also that you would be held accountable in Christian community. We see this in, even in the life of Peter after he's walking in step with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter two, he and Paul get in a little tussle, all right? Peter has been compromising and living out uh, in hypocrisy. And Paul openly opposes him in front of the church of Galatia. And so even we, we see this tension of the already not yet play out in Peter's life. He's not perfect. Same is true for us in our walk, right? There are times, as Blake said, we get a little too big for our britches, right? There are times where we need to be brought down a notch. Man, we get to do that in the context of, commun- of community. So if you're just engaging with the church as a consumer, I invite you to engage it as a family member. I talk about, we, we cry out to each other, brother and sister in Christ. Maybe in our context, we have this really domesticated cultural version of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Let me tell you, there's nothing casual about how Peter follows Jesus. Church tradition maintains that Peter was crucified in Rome around AD 60, upside down, because he refused to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. He was made an example of by the emperor Nero. Jesus told him that, as we heard in Cole's message, that this would be the way in which he would die. It's not the brand of Christianity that probably gets a whole lot of likes on social media. It makes you the it person on campus and your workplace. And that is a death to self brand of Christianity, picking up our cross. And we see that lived out in the life of Peter. Don't hear me saying that just to you. As a minister of the gospel, I have to be reminded of that. That in our comforts, not that we feel guilty about everything all the time, and we push a poverty gospel on people. Sometimes we need a wake up call. That we've got to put some skin in the game. So maybe the example of Peter is that for you tonight. Here's another scenario. If you were sidelined from service to God by debilitating fear or disqualifying sin, I invite you to repent and be empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit. If we've learned anything from this narrative arc of where Peter was to where he was when we found him in the book of Acts, if it can be true for him 2,000 years ago, it can be true for you tonight. And so as we transition into this time of response, I invite you during these 120 seconds to reflect on where am I at tonight? 
How is this story of Peter resonating with my life? And there's a prayer that you can pray that this is a a yes and amen to every single time. So God, give me more of you. May I decrease and you increase in my life. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for these students and these young adults for being here tonight. God, I pray collectively as we join together to worship you, that your word would cut to our heart. God, that we would sense that you're working in our lives. God, that we would be assured by the promise of your Holy Spirit within us, God, who calls out and testifies, convicts us, that gives us community and other believers who are filled with the same spirit, a fellowship that can only be produced by two people who know Jesus. So God, we're grateful for the gift of your spirit. Pray in this time of response, God, that you give us clarity. God, that we would also sense your love and grace and mercy toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.